Welcome into another All 22 Daily. Today you have Chris and Ray. We're going to be talking about some of the big moves that happened yesterday. Ray, start us off with the Jalen Ramsey trade. Yeah, so big trade going down yesterday. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is now a Miami Dolphin. The Rams are in a bit of a fire sale. There was some uh, cryptic tweets and discussion uh, earlier this offseason about Jalen Ramsey possibly being on the move. We actually talked about that in our main podcast episode last month uh, when we were doing our defensive rankings. Figured Miami may be a pretty good fit. Had some discussion around that. And lo and behold, Jalen Ramsey is now a Miami Dolphin in exchange for a third-round pick and tight end Hunter Long. So big moves happening before the start of free agency. Yeah, wow. That was a huge move. And it was something you called. So shout out to you. Um, Fits a major need for the Dolphins, right? They lose uh, Byron Jones. Have a big hole at that cornerback position behind Xavier Howard or next to him now. Um, and they bring in Ramsey. So according to PFF last year, Miami Dolphins had a 52.5 coverage grade. So this really is a big need for them and will help booster that defense. But they're really going in an interesting direction where they're saying like, kind of like the Rams, screw draft picks. We're just going to go all in on players that we know are going to be studs. But it adds a lot of capital to their book. So um, tell me a little bit about what that contract means for them. Yeah, they're they're definitely going all in, right? Uh, we also discussed Ramsey's age. He's I think twenty eight years old now. He's got maybe uh, two or three years left before you you know you start to feel a little uncomfortable giving big money to corners entering their thirties, right? Um, so they're going all in. It's it's not just the Jalen Ramsey move and and the contract they're taking on, but also the Bradley uh, Bradley Chubb trade from halfway through the 2022 season. Uh, so they, they're they going all in. And uh, some might say it's an interesting strategy with uh, the health of quarterback Atua Tungabailoa sort of in flux and seemingly one hit away from uh, missing significant time. But uh, you got to see what the Rams did, right? A, a couple years back going all in and ultimately winning a Super Bowl. And maybe the Dolphins are now following that blueprint, kind of throwing caution to the wind, getting great talent and seeing if they can make a run at this whole deal, which is the ultimate goal anyway, right? Absolutely. I was sitting here and I was going to say the Dolphins, you know, they have a year with Tua still. They have another year potentially with his fifth year, right? They don't have to sign him until that's done. They could also franchise him at the end. And the same with Waddle, right? They have a couple of years before they need to pay Waddle if they want to go down that road. And uh, they could afford this. But at the same time, we might be sitting here saying all this. And then in five hours, Lamar Jackson is a, is a Dolphin or Aaron Rodgers is a Dolphin. And all that goes out the window. So I, I do think they're in win now. And how they end up doing that, I really don't know. Um, the, the way they make this money work, I'm sure they can. It's just, you know, it could mean some interesting things down the road. Um, but let's uh, talk about it from an all-22 perspective. So you plug Jalen Ramsey onto that Dolphins defense as their new cornerback one. Uh, I know you like that spot for him because you said it a long time ago, but what does that mean for his value going to the going to the Dolphins? Yeah, I think, I think it's actually a big boost for 2023 and probably 2024 as well, right? So if you look at the Miami defense, uh, they graded fourth in team pass rush grade in 2022, and that's with acquiring Bradley Chubb for just the second half of the season, right? But as you sort of alluded to, they graded as a 28th best defense in pass coverage. So that's fifth worst for those keeping count, right? So he feels a big hole for them at a position that should benefit from the strength of their pass rush. So uh, he, he comes from you know, a pretty good front in, in, in Los Angeles and the Rams uh, previously as well. Right. So I don't think 
it's it's necessarily a change in how well he's playing. It's just more of maintaining that high level of play in a good situation that he's had previously, right? Um, the the Jalen Ramsey going back to 2016 since he joined the league is the highest graded corner uh, bar none in the NFL. So that's in coverage, run defense, and overall grade. He's just the top guy in pretty much every aspect. So by going into a good situation like this with a strong pass rush and a division now where he's facing Mac Jones twice a year, right? We'll see what the Jets do at at uh, quarterback and how that impacts them. But uh, he's going to have some opportunities to continue uh, his high-level play and make some big plays in the secondary. So uh, it's a great fit for him. So what does it mean for the Rams, though, right? So the Rams are losing Ramsey. They've lost other pieces now. Um, what are they trying to do there? How long is it going to take? Because they don't really have draft picks. So like, what is it that they're trying to achieve by getting rid of some of these higher priced uh, players? The Rams are that, uh, that storefront that has the sign up there, right? That says everything must go and everything must go. They are just in a complete fire sale. You can get good players at apparently like 30 cents on the dollar because Jalen Ramsey is worth much more right now than a third round pick and tight end Hunter Long, with all due respect. Um, so the Rams are in total rebuild mode, right? And if you're a Rams fan, a Rams follower, you have to look at this and just say, hey, you know what? We went for it all. We got it all. You won the ship. So if it takes another five, eight years to get back to relevance and being a contender, I mean, isn't that what you're going for, right? I mean, if you win the Super Bowl once every eight years, you're the winningest franchise in the NFL. So you have to say it's worth it. But for right now in the foreseeable future, you just kind of hold your breath and say, you know, we're, we're not going to be in this thing for quite a while. That probably involves somehow moving Matthew Stafford. There's been some talks about that. Pretty much any good player above the age of 27 years old on the Rams is a potential target for trade if you're an other team in the NFL. Yeah, and you have to think that they're trying to get some of those better picks, right? A third-round pick is not going to do it for them, and they don't have any firsts for a while. So they need to maybe trade a Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford. Um, but I, I've only heard really rumors about Stafford. So maybe we'll hear more as the offseason goes on. But pretty interesting situation there. I don't know if there's a single person on that defense that I now go, hmm, Jalen Ramsey's gone. This is going to be a good investment for me. I still think we need to wait and see how the offseason plays out before we make a, a decision like that. Absolutely. And, and Hey, if, if this is the route you're going, why is Aaron Donald still on the team? Wouldn't you want to get a haul for him at this point? I mean, you're, you're clearly not going for, for contention this year. He's a little up there in age. He's getting paid a big deal. Why don't you get something back for him? Yeah, absolutely. And saying that, right. So he's the highest paid defensive interior in the NFL, Aaron Donald, a guy yesterday, Darren Payne, is now the second highest paid defensive interior in the NFL. He got a four-year deal worth $90 million. Um, Ray, tell me, do you like that move? Who do you like it for? <laughs> it's, it's interesting, right? So he's had a bit of an up-and-down career. Uh, he was an above-average run defender his first couple of years in the league and a below-average pass rusher. Then over the past two years, it's been the inverse. He's been an above-average pass rusher and inconsistent against the run. So you're kind of like, what do I do with this? What does this mean? And for whom does it mean, right? And so I, I took a little bit of a deeper dive into how he's used and found a couple of interesting things uh, overall, right? So first, going back to 2018 and 2019, when he was grading out as a plus run defender, 
he lined up as a nose tackle or between the guards on 87, 84% of all of his snaps respectively in each of those years. Right. And then for the past two years in 2021 and 2022, when his grades increased as a pass rusher, he lined up over or outside the offensive tackle on 24 and 32% of his snaps respectively. Right. So I think it's just a matter of what you want to do with him and maybe you don't put too much on his plate. Right. So someone might look at this and say, he's been so uneven in his performance to date and they shouldn't have paid him such a large deal. Right. The optimist view may be, well, if the, if they get healthy, a full strength chase young back, finally, then perhaps there's not so much on Payne's plate where he's trying to be Mr. Everything for this defensive front. And he's freed up some on the interior to get back to being that plus run defender that we saw when he was younger. And then maybe he's not relied on as a primary pass rusher opposite uh, Montez sweat with opposing focus now going towards a chase young. So I think if chase young does come back healthy and at full strength, you now have young and sweat as their primary pass rushers that takes a load off of pain and maybe allows him to sort of live up to the, to the big contract that he was just given. So I can certainly see the potential there, even if the pieces have not all come together yet, but I think a lot of it is actually dependent on the health of chase young to give them that other pass rushing threat on that defensive front to allow pain to then just sort of play a bit more freely and not be so reliant on him um, doing so many different roles. Yeah, no. And that's a really good point about the way they're using him. Something tells me though, it just, it hasn't worked yet, right? That, that defense, they've invested so many first round picks into that defense and it just hasn't worked, right? There hasn't been a consistent threat on, on opposing offenses where this defense, you face them and it's going to be brutal for you. That's, that just hasn't been the feeling. That's what the um, implication was when they drafted these players and it just hasn't really materialized. I think what we're seeing a little bit is that, that change in market where, Yes, he's now the second highest paid defensive interior, but maybe in the next two years, we see five or six guys pass him by, right? We, we see Quinn and Williams and, and Derek Brown, guys like that getting huge contracts. Like that, that could happen, right? And I think ultimately what that means for your all 22 team is that the def defensive interior position, that weight is going to increase. Like that is going to be just that much more important when these guys start to get paid. So that's an interesting aspect on this. Um, you know, I looked at his PFF grading as well, and it is definitely concerning to me. Uh, you, you know, his best year, he had a 68 defensive grade. Uh, he's definitely improved as a pass rusher over the past few years. And like you said, maybe when Chase Young comes back, uh, you know, he can, he can materialize on that a little bit more. And maybe he puts more emphasis on his run defense. I don't know. But his 43.5 run defensive grade last year and 53.8 the year before is concerning. I don't know how you pay that guy $80 million dollars or sorry, $90 million with, I think, 60-something guaranteed, right? That's that's concerning to me. Um, Washington Commanders, I think they're one of those teams now where they're overpaying players to keep them there, uh, which is a strategy, right? It's a, it's a strategy. If you hit on a quarterback, if they're able to do that, maybe they're in a winning situation. Uh, but I just, that hasn't happened yet, right? With Sam Howell as your only quarterback right now, don't know if they really are in a position to go and make a move like this. But saying that, I do like it for him. Congratulations to him. Get get your money, get that bag. Like I'm about it. Um, but I don't know how I feel about it for Washington as a whole. As a whole. And then just another uh, couple other deals I wanted to point out. Matt Milano signs a two-year deal worth $28 million. That's an extension to keep him in Buffalo, right? They're going to lose Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, so I really like that for them. I like that for him. I don't know if you followed him last year, but he was a really great uh, defender, 
constantly grading out pretty high. Towards the end of the season, I think he started to kind of trail off a little bit, but you know that was the best season we saw of Milano, and I think there's going to be a lot more of that now that he's going to be given more responsibility. Um, another couple of deals, Qu Quincy Williams gets signed with three-year deal worth $18 million to stay with the Jets. Tayshawn Gibson signs a one-year deal to stay with the 49ers, and Sterling Shepard signs a one-year deal to stay with the Giants. So all pretty interesting deals. None of them are, are really um, going to make or break those teams, but those are the deals that go under the radar. You might have some superstars there, right? Like Sterling Shepard for the Giants, we know they need receiver help. You know that he has upside and he's shown it in the past, but he's been injured. So him coming back on a one-year prove-it deal could, could be great for them, right? Could be great for him and Daniel Jones. So excited to see that. Any other comments from you, Ray? Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? So we're, we're coming on to the start of the free agency tampering period uh, mm -hmm. coming up here today. So you're seeing a lot of these uh, retention deals get done now uh, to avoid these players hitting free agency. And then I just want to, of course, shout out all those free agents who are able to get deals done in about eight minutes uh, from the start of the tampering period, because <laughs> apparently they're just so direct in their negotiations. They just get straight to the point and totally don't start until they're actually legally able to. So good for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's the legal tampering period and there's probably some illegal tampering going on, right? <laughs> But yeah, definitely shout out to them. There's going to be some exciting news coming up. So we're going to keep uh, pushing these dailies out. So tune in when you can, and we'll get these up as quickly as we can. So have a great day. We'll talk to you later.